when I'm filming, I tend to be moved by whatever experience the person I'm filming is going through. And in my head, I'm wondering, how do I bring someone into this experience so that they can share a little bit and understand a little bit about what somebody else might be going through? Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of Farm on the Podcast, where I get to speak with agriculturists, artists, and activists on the front lines of the food movement. I'm Joe Phillips. You know, not only are we celebrating a new year, but I'm celebrating a full first year of Farm on the Podcast. 24 episodes, two a month, and uh, it's kind of hard to believe. You know, I started this show uh, sort of as a for selfish reasons, uh, just because I like to read about farming, I like to uh, absorb as much media as I can about it, and so I thought it'd be cool to just be able to connect with the people who are making it. And and it's been nice too to kind of grow this network and and see how it's all interconnected. And I'm happy that uh, those of you who have listened have been along for the ride. So I want to say thank you so much for everyone who's tuned in and shared these episodes. And of course, thank you to everyone who's uh, been kind enough to come on the show and to share their work with the wider audience. And today's guest uh, really uh, came into my field of vision through Amazon's uh, little computerized algorithms that uh, suggest things and say, hey, if you liked that, we think you'd like this. This being a film called To Make a Farm by a filmmaker named Steve Suderman. Um, I watched the film a couple of times. I found it to be really impactful and a beautiful portrait of three different greenhorn uh, first-year farmers uh, who are just uh, going through the trials and tribulations. And I went to great pains to actually edit in uh, some of the soundtrack from the film so you can hear what it's like. Um, and this film, To Make a Farm, it, it, it doesn't fall into the trappings of a lot of um, kind of uh, gardening documentaries um, in that it doesn't really have a strong political message or sort of hidden agenda at play. Instead, it really gives a sense of the day-to-day lives and struggle and ecstasy and agony that these new farmers go through. And uh, the film profiles three different farms. And at the end of this episode, you're going to hear a couple voicemails uh, from two of those farms that sort of give us an update on how they're doing. But anyway, I start off this episode asking Steve Suderman about his first film that was called Overland. And it was a very intimate portrait of his own family and their really, really tragic tale of losing their uh, generation's old family farm. I hope you enjoy. You know, you come from a stock of farmers and everybody else in the film is uh, either on the farm full time or kind of coming in and out of the farm. So... How did that go over with the family? I mean, they were always super supportive. Uh, I was very fortunate that way. Uh, I was always a little bit of the black sheep. I don't know what you would call it, but mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I was very much into computers and and um, you know, you know, they were in the, were coming. They were sort of coming out in the eighties and nineties, and, and I was you know a lot into that. I was very much into school. And um, went to university and stuff after high school. And so it was, they were sort of used to me having my own interests and pursuing them. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And so then, yeah, when it came to the filming, I think it was they were just glad to have me there, hmm. which is kind of sad um, mm-hmm. that it was like they've it, I, probably more than I realized it was their way of having me around. Oh, and uh, sure. it's 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 maybe it felt like that was if we want Steve to be here, he has to be with his camera. <laughs> um. Right, right. <laughs> Steve's not going to help us. Uh, Harvest the potatoes, so at least he's going to be here yeah. with the camera. That's right. That's great. Um, but when I when I started the second year of filming, I did like very specifically say, you know, I think, you know, the the, the farm the story was still evolving, and and I wanted to continue to film. Mm-hmm. And I I asked my dad several times, like, are you okay with me continuing to film this? And mm-hmm. you know, him being the way he is, he never really gave me a a straight answer, but. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, but he, again, he was, yeah, he was supportive and, uh, it was the editing process that was, I think the most brutalizing, yeah, uh, I imagine I, I, it was my first film to, uh, you know, edit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, an hour long. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I spent, um, probably six months or something mm-hmm. in a dark corner of my basement uh, alone <laughs> yeah. going, going through this material and, and sometimes just, yeah, breaking down and like, I, why am I doing this? I can't, I can't, right. I can't put them out there like this. And yeah. And how do you feel about it now? You know, I, I do editing with audio and I know that you're just, you're just listening and watching the same clips over and over and over. And, and these, you know, you're watching your family just sort of, become unraveled i mean not as a family unit i mean you know they're 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 beautiful people they're so kind to each other and uh and so respectful to each other but yet their whole world (laughs) the farm farm gets sold out from under them you know so yeah uh, well and my dad and my brother my older brother mike's their relationship was definitely strained and uh so and it was um I think that was one of the harder parts to mm-hmm. to deal with, and then also my dad's um, my dad's sense of loss. And there was an there was there was an interview section I did with him where he, uh, you know, he kind of breaks down a bit mm-hmm. uh, talking about it. And I didn't put it in the film because I couldn't I couldn't mm-hmm. put it in there. And I felt like mm-hmm. everything that was in there said everything that needed to be said. And um, so it, but. It's never make a film about your family. Tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the advice. <laughs> One of the, um, actually, we can segue now because, um, so your first film, which we're talking about right now, Overland, is, um, I really recommend it to listeners. Uh, it's, I guess it's available on Vimeo, right, for free. Yeah, I actually, uh, it's also now on my website, uh, orangevilleroad.com. Or if you just search for Steve Suderman, it'll come up. But yeah, so it's free Mm -hmm. um, for anyone who wants to watch it. And so that film really, to me anyway, watching your your two films, uh, that one seems like the the kind of uh, the, the first bookend. And then the second one is To Make a Farm. Which, um, which seems like kind of the the 
the the positive outcoming of of your first film. The first film ends with, you know, it ends with um, a, in a very quiet place. You know, a, a place where the farm has kind of been dismantled and everyone's kind of moving on, and it's an end of an era. And it seemed like uh, to make a farm was kind of a, a seeking for um, some kind of healing process. Mm. Um, am I reaching there, or did you did you get a sense for that when you were making it? Or I think that there there could be an element of that. I don't. I wasn't consciously thinking of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I was trying to think back to the sort of early my early thoughts around to make a farm and initially I was interested in people who were trying to live sustainably, um, not necessarily farming, but, um, as I was, you know, looking for people and researching, it seemed to become more and more about farming. Mm -hmm. And then when I met Leslie and Jeff, the, um, two of the farmers in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, oh, first of all, I should say that I, I also didn't know that there was a sort of movement of mm. new small scale organic farmers happening. And so okay. as I was researching, I started to discover this. And so that was, that was kind of exciting. And, and I did start to think, well, can people really make this kind of farming, uh, you know, make a living from it? And, especially people who don't come from a farming background, how can they learn like farming is there's so many different skill sets that you need. And I think all of the, all of your three subjects, um, the three farms, I don't think any of them had any prior experience or family, families, uh, support in that way. Yeah, no. And so that's, and that's, that's what ended up attracting me to the whole idea was that question, like, can this work? And I, I think I maybe had a little bit of skepticism about it just Mm -hmm. with my own experience but um so i i guess in in that sense you could say that there was some excitement on my part um and curiosity maybe maybe wanting to believe that Mm -hmm. there could be some other way of of doing it and that it could be a better way uh yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the things you said there reminds me of uh, a line that Tara says. Tara and Nathan Young are, are one of the the farmer couples that you profile in the film. And uh, at one point she says that, I thought I would dedicate myself to saving the world. I decided I was going to be a farmer, not having had any farm experience to speak of. Up until that point, I was looking for a career in the environmental field. And... I took a a course in organic agriculture on a whim. In this class, I was seeing that these farmers were doing all these positive things for the environment, that they were seeing the, you know, fruits of their labor, so to speak, and it just was like that, and I just knew. Really, I I thought I would dedicate my life to saving the world, and I ended up farming. All of the farmers in the film came to it with some of that perspective that they wanted to make things better. They felt like, I mean, I even asked Jeff at one point, is, is, is this a sort of political 
act, mm-hmm. uh, right. you know, this this farming, and, and he kind of says, well, not you know, not really. It's just what we're doing. Are but you motivated by personal goals or political convictions? It, it, you could never call what we do here political. Like the way we farm has so much personal, soulful elements to it that it, it, you know we have an ideology that we believe and that helps inform us, but we also like are hugely emotionally attached to what we do and to the land. Are you part of a movement? Yeah, I would say we're, we're, we're pretty cohesive. I think agriculture should change, but I'm also like, I'm pretty uncomfortable with saying that. I'm always uncomfortable a little bit with the idea of like us starting an agricultural movement, considering we make up like you know, point zero 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 seven percent of the land base and even less percent of the food base, you know what I mean? So, like, I, I do believe in it fully and completely, and I hope it's the way we move, but I, I think it's going to include a lot of different perspectives to make it functional. You know, when I first met them, when I first met Leslie and Jeff, and I, uh, I went out to their farm and we, we walked around on, out on their land Mm-hmm. And it was um, it was a cold spring day, and we just talked about all these different things, every you know, all sorts of aspects of you know environment and society and food mm-hmm. and farming, and it was just sort of invigorating, and uh, and I felt a I just felt a connection to them right away that I wanted to continue to spend more time with them. So mm-hmm. really, they're they're it was that sense of connection and that sort of shared interest in in these issues that that made me think okay we got to make this film mm-hmm. watching them work together is incredible i mean they 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 have such a beautiful partnership and they're both so smart like you can tell yeah. that leslie is like the um you know she's the detail person i guess you'd say she's the data yeah. person i mean there's a scene where she's listing off all of the uh, crops that they planted that year and it's like I mean it's it's an endless list it just yeah. goes on and on it's varieties or crops okay. uh the varieties cause, well, or, well or okay. both yeah uh, okay well Mars celeriac King Richard leek Tadorna leek evergreen green onion Mustang onion red wing onion yellow parma onion moss curled parsley Italian flat leaf parsley rainbow char- Leslie and Jeff plant over 100 crop varieties in a complex rotation schedule spanning eight months. The sheer scale of the undertaking didn't really sink in for me until I asked Leslie to show me some of her lists. Hot pepper, early jalapeno, hot pepper, Hungarian hot wax, storage, kohlrabi, four different kinds of kale. Lettuce, the end. Thanks. (laughs) And then Jeff is just this, he's just got this uh, intuition or, uh, uh, I don't know, this kind of, his discipline, I think you talk about that, like his... Uh... Yeah, he has this sort of quiet, mm-hmm. deep connection to everything that he does. Um, yeah, he's um, he's a hard worker and, and very passionate, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the most, uh, I think, poignant uh, scenes with Jeff are when, or are, ironically, when the, when the farm seems to be at its lowest, you know, there's, there's a couple different scenes where they really hit some hard times, you know, they've already pre-sold yeah. all of their CSA shares, 
And uh, so they're under pressure to produce and it's not working out. You know, the broccoli's weird and potatoes are weird. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a scene, there's a shot of Jeff where he's just kind of, just kind of improvising on the, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do, but he's still working out there and just the light hits him in just the right way. you know, with his hat on and (laughs) there's just like a, a beauty to that, to the trouble that they face, but they're in this place that's just gorgeous, you know. If there's potassium deficiencies showing up in lots of different places, it means that everything that's in the ground is susceptible to some amount of, you know, problems because of that. So, so yeah, so so now we're pretty freaked out about the whole deal because uh, we don't have, like, we can't put potassium down everywhere and. Uh, yeah, we, neither of us have ever dealt with soil deficiency before. I mean, we've probably dealt with some minor ones without knowing it, but uh, but this is this is pretty big. And uh, I mean, yeah, there's I guess there's a thousand feet of uh, broccoli, thousand row feet of broccoli that's going to be worked in now, and that sucks and. It's a stressful year. It's stressful. It's been stressful from the very beginning because uh, we have no idea what the soil is capable of, and uh, we've already sold all the food. We've already pre-sold it. I, I mean, I love that that scene too, and there, I mean, there was a lot of just beautiful moments of them working. And I mm-hmm. sort of wondered like how much of this can I put into the film? Because mm-hmm. I, I would just get sort of drawn into it sure. just watching the, you know, just them in the field and this, the sound and the light and, um, It'd be a four hour, uh, silent. Film. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. No, I mean, I love that kind of film. Uh, and especially they're especially interesting, as time passes because they become a, um, you know, a less mediated window into the world that was. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that, uh, that type of film. I mean, I, in this film, I, you know, I would some, I spent, I shot a lot of clouds and I don't know what it was (laughs) the whole year. I was just like, every time I would get out, I would be like, Oh, those clouds are beautiful. And I would just like start, filming the cl- the clouds yeah. and there's a few of the shots end up in the film but i've got a few hours of just cloud oh, shots there you go, there you <laughs> so, go. that's a whole other yeah art installation you can work on It kind of, I guess, ties into what you were saying that Jeff and Leslie say, I feel like I'm part of life instead of always hoping to get there. You know, they were kind of reflecting on their former, you know, kind of civilized life, you know, city life or whatever, and always feeling like life was something that they're trying to get to, you know. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's a really hard thing to articulate, and I think that 
Leslie did a, a kind of a neat job of it in the I film. Part of what brought me to the farm was a feeling constantly like I wasn't a part of life, you know, and doing tasks that are floating above what life is just doing. It's hard to describe that, but here I think I feel like I'm a part of it and that I'm just sort of there as opposed to kind of always hoping to get there. I think that that's, especially in the, in the city, if you're doing work that you're not particularly fond of and you're trying to support a family and um, you're... It, you, at some point, I think, you know, a lot of people get to the point where they ask themselves, what, what am I doing this for? Why and, am I doing uh, this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, you're doing all of this work and, and stress and stuff to somehow mm-hmm. get to the part that you want to get to, but are you ever really getting to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they decided to buy the farm that it's a it's a pretty final decision so it's a weighty thing and i think uh living in a city like you were talking about like i live in chicago now um a lot of my decisions are fairly arbitrary (laughs) (laughs) you know they seem important at the time and uh they feel very important Mm -hmm. but there's what is it about uh what is it about buying a farm and really diving in head first. And, you know, they, one of the characters talks about, you know, uh, I think it's Tara and Nathan Young talk about, you know, we're not back to the landers here. We're, you know, this is real. Like we have to make money doing this. Mm -hmm. In the sixties, we called them back to the landers. And do you identify at all with that title? Not at all. Um, no, never even thought about that but to me it's a bit of a of a derogatory term um just i I associate it with naivety um because a lot of the back to the landers (laughs) then went back to the city and and so to me it's like a phase it's like i'm gonna get out there and and you know not really know what i'm doing but i'm gonna get a cow i mean like yeah we're from the suburbs we think another way of life is better we want to make a living on a diverse yeah oh god (laughs) Um, I guess time will tell right I mean I don't think you stay as a back to the lander you either go back to the city or you graduate Uh, when I first went out to see Leslie and Jeff I you know they live out in the country and I so I drove out there um, and their places, you know, I drive, you know, they have this long driveway covered in trees. And as I was driving down that driveway and then coming out to their yard, I was just thinking, you know, what are these people doing out here? I had this mm-hmm. sort of sense of almost panic and isolation. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is, um, you know, there's stakes involved here mm-hmm. and, um, they're, they're betting on ma- mm-hmm. being able to make this work. Gambling. And, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. to some extent. And, uh, you know, they had done some uh, apprenticing and, 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 you know, they had done their homework 
And but at the same time, it's still a big investment. And they, you know, yeah, they had a mortgage. And uh, I think that aspect of it, that sort of jeopardy, I I guess I connected with it. Maybe that goes a little bit back to my own experience with with our family losing the farm. That sense yeah, of sure. um, you know anxiety about that, and and so that ended up becoming important for all of the participants that I selected. So Leslie, uh, Leslie and Jeff, and then Tara, Nathan, and also Wes were, um, you know, there was a sense of needing to make this work. Mm -hmm. And, and also the fact that they were all living out on their land Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you, with you, being involved with urban farming, you might wonder, well, why are there no urban farms in this film? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was pretty much just all me in terms of the way I relate to mm-hmm. farming and that mm-hmm. desire to to be out on the land. Like mm-hmm. for me, urban farming um, is just as hard or harder or whatever than, than any other way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But at least for filming, you didn't have this this sort of like where people are out surrounded by this land that they have to somehow protect or keep going. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I have a, a huge amount of respect for urban farmers because for me, a huge part of the attraction to farming is that being out mm-hmm. away from people and, um, being on the land. And if you don't have that, then <laughs> for me, a lot of the excitement of farming goes away. And yet there are a lot of people who do urban farming who yeah. uh, love it. And and I'm so glad that they're doing it because I think it's an amazing yeah. model. And But it's not the part, it's not the model that attracts me personally. <laughs> it's funny that you mention it because uh, I really crave a real, you know, I crave land and getting out and, and really getting into some some acreage and doing it for real, but having done urban farming for a number of years now, um, I think I've gotten used to the fact that you're kind of like a little fish in a fishbowl and everybody's kind of like, <laughs> you know, everybody's just like surrounding you on all sides and like watching everything you're doing and very curious and coming by to ask questions and dropping in and, yeah. You know, it's it's uh it can be pretty nerve-wracking actually if you're having one of those moments where you're like I don't know what I'm doing and I feel like everything's failing and you know, and if you yeah, have totally. animals, you're like concerned about the safety of the animals and you know how you're perceived and uh and I think to your point um obviously it would have been a very different film if you focused on urban farming and there's some films that do it very well, but mm-hmm. I think what your film does is it shows these individual farmers just doing their thing. They're not, it's not the, within the context of this really uh, complex um, social environment, but it's just people farming. How do they do it? You mm-hmm. know, solving problems. And it's just, and it's also just beautiful. You can't deny the beauty of their farm. Tara Nathan Young are doing a lot of animal husbandry stuff, and um, yeah. Tara, I would say, is the um, uh, she's fire to me. Like yeah. she's <laughs> yeah. she's the heart of the film. Um, yeah. yeah, she's so amazing, and um, her 
her commitment to farming and her love of her animals is, um, yeah, just, it, um, it just, you know, grabs you and pulls you in. Oh man. That uh, that scene where she thinks that she's lost her whole flock of sheep to some kind of bacterial infection called like cautious or cautious. Yeah. 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 And uh, talk about the agony and the ecstasy. I mean, right there in that scene, <laughs> she is told by a vet that they have this infection and they're probably all going to have to be destroyed. Yeah. And you just see her. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. And, um, yeah. That was pretty rough. <laughs> like up until this point, it's been, they've been so healthy. There's been no real issues. You know, when I I learned about sheep, the thing that you learn is that there's a million diseases that they could have. And you you start to feel kind of good about yourself, right? Because here you've got this flock and everybody looks so great and you got health and I don't know. I just feel, I I guess it's a reality check, right? Like we're not so wonderful that we're immune from any kind of illness. I feel like it's not fair. It's not fair, sheep. When I um, first met Tara, like it was actually Leslie and Jeff that told me about Tara and Nathan, mm-hmm. and um, and I I went over there and um, yeah, she's she's um, she's mm-hmm. a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, works with purpose and just uh, a dedication that is is rare Mm -hmm. and like you said she's the fire she has an energy that's uh it's just infectious i mean it's somebody you'd want to like just hang out with to kind of catch those vibes you know and uh there's a a scene where she's talking about how hard it is to you know when the animals uh, need to be slaughtered how hard it is because she cares for them so much and she's just she's like laying on this giant pig just like a (laughs) pillow and she actually kisses the pig right like under his armpit you know and it it doesn't ever feel like she's doing it for show or you know or or trying to kind of play for the camera it's just it's just pure like you said pure dedication and um yeah. And uh, I think at one point she actually says, you know, that it feels like something spiritual is happening to her and that she just doesn't ever want to stop. There's a body of knowledge for every different thing we do. You know, ecologically, I think it makes a lot of sense to be diversified and economically, too. Still, you know, you can really screw stuff up if you don't know what you're doing. I don't know, you, you, you farm for 30 years. Well, that means you've only had a chance to grow potatoes 30 times, which isn't that many times. Like if you're a pianist, you'd practice the same song hundreds of times before you got really good at it. So in anyone's lifetime, they only have so many shots at net. Like the outcome of these potatoes means a lot to me and the health of my animals means a lot. And, and I think that's really exciting. And I, I love the feeling of, of connection that's happening. and. It, it almost feels like something spiritual is happening in that, yeah, I get, I get tired, I get a bit stressed, but I don't ever want to stop. Just really beautiful practice. Um, and then we haven't talked about Wes yet. And uh, mm-hmm. so then there's this guy, Wes, who's like this real frontiersman 
out there on his two acres with no water in the beginning, which is just amazing that he even like attempted it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was out on, it was, it was pasture land. It was unbroken. Uh, I mean, it had been probably broken at some point, but, uh, it hadn't been for a long time. It was pasture land that, uh, I think his, his, uh, dad, his dad did own it. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it was borrowed or something, right? Yeah. They had never farmed it. And so he, he broke that, he broke his two acres and, um, he was, there was nothing there. He hauled in his water. He built himself a little, uh, uh, I don't know, like a tent cabin type thing. Mm-hmm. He had an out, outdoor kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think front frontiersman is, is a good term for him. And I actually, in the film, uh, at the point where he's just finished breaking his land, I sort of segue into a section about my great great grandfather, mm-hmm. you know, coming to Canada and, and starting to farm. And I, to me, Wes represents that kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, energy and and you know, going it alone. And and um, and he also, I mean, he was very much a go out and try it kind of guy. Like yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the guy who spends too much time researching and researching and thinking and well, maybe this and maybe that. And Wes is just a guy that goes out and does it. I don't know. It's hard to tell people yet you're going to be a farmer. <laughs> they just kind of scoff. This is my first year and uh, it's all a bit of a grand experiment. So uh, I know that anything that doesn't go right this year uh, it can uh, prevent from going wrong next year by learning from what plays out here he also did his research and he was taking um classes uh, horticulture classes and stuff which doesn't really come into the film much but Mm -hmm. um you know he um i just i really liked spending time with wes and uh, i loved his you know his just his attitude, he had yeah, a his humor, his humor. It, you know, he totally. Could, he could laugh about himself and laugh at how yeah. ridiculous it was that he was going to pick up water four times a day just to water <laughs> like one little part of his field. I mean, and and yeah. then at at some point he strikes a spring and he's got water and it's like, ah, okay, Wes, you're gonna make it, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's so much foreshadowing, and I can't wait to to kind of well. I, I want to hear what happened to Wes, but I'm a little bit <laughs> leery about it because, uh, you know, there's all this foreshadowing. He's like, you know, I'm making a long, long-term commitment to farming because, you know, I guess he mainly was just an outdoorsman, like doing outdoors right. stuff, living outside. But, yeah. you know, now he's kind of putting his roots down. He's like staking yeah. his staking his claim. and uh, We officially have 1.99 acres. I was saying on the hill there earlier, it doesn't look like much from up there. But now I can see I got a lot of <laughs> a lot of room here. I've had this picture in my head since I was young and lying in bed, dreaming about uh, living in this very sort of environment in this fashion. So I would. Uh, like to not only lay down the roots of that garden, but lay down my roots and commit to it. I hope not to have that sway. 
but at the same time, he says um, he's always been addicted to the easiness of movement and free, right. fleeing when you need to, you know? So you're like, ah, oh. I'm thinking, man, Wes, don't flee, man. <laughs> don't flee. <laughs> You've done so much, you know? Um, but he totally. obviously, he he's, he's sticking it out, at least for the duration of the film. He's mm-hmm. he's uh, He's really trying to get through the the bumps in the road you know so i hope he made it (laughs) (laughs) uh he he continued to farm for a number of years and um right now he he's always hard to keep track of because uh partly because he didn't have regular uh, internet and stuff Mm -hmm. um and was um so most of my connection with Wes would be like, I would just show up with the camera and, and I would live out mm. uh, with him for, uh, you know, a, a day or two out at, at a time uh, on his land. And um, I did that actually with all the participants. I, I actually lived with them, which was yeah. partly uh, partly to because I couldn't afford to do anything else. But right. part partly, um, I mean, it, it worked out really well in terms of just... Um, having you know an intimate connection with yeah. with what they were doing so that's great and i just remembered nathan uh of tara and nathan that the the husband and the partnership he says he's like a computer guy right he's like a, a computer animator guy and uh, he's kind of just gotten swept into the farming you know because of course you know whoever's around is going to be in end up doing <laughs> farm in. work yeah um but he says something like you know he, f- he f- felt like he was becoming human, you know, <laughs> like he was using yeah. his head and his hands and his heart all at once. And, and you see him out there slinging bales of hay and stuff. You know, I grew up in Oakville in the suburbs. I was going down a normal track. I was going to get a career in animation. I was going to do something really specific. When I got into farming, it challenged me in all kinds of different ways. I felt like I was becoming human, like I was learning to use my head and my heart and my hands all at the same time. It was making me into a whole person, and I didn't realize that I was so fragmented before I started farming. Um, I guess I'll maybe close with a question that I, that I, that I wanted to ask. Um, and it's actually a question that you asked one of your uh, subjects, I can't remember who in the film, but you asked him, are you motivated by personal goals or political conviction? Hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it was, um, when I started making films, it was more political. I think I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be somehow involved in making change and, um, hopefully making things better. And I still definitely feel that, but Mm -hmm. I think, uh, with, um, age and the way, the way the world has, has changed. I mean, I've been at this for, uh, almost 15 years now. I feel like it's been a massive change in, in a lot of ways, but I feel like, uh, I don't know that the idea of of being an an agent of change in the you know through filmmaking is is a long stretch. Um, mm-hmm. It's really hard to 
to get films out there. It's hard to make them. It's hard to get them out there. And then it's hard to measure whether they're mm-hmm. having an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, um, on, on the good days, I still kind of convince myself that some of that is happening. Mm-hmm. I think that without any of that, I wouldn't be able to do it just for say the desire to, for, uh, you know, to have creative expression or that sort of personal, mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely a huge personal component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm motivated by trying to make something that's hopefully beautiful and something that is challenging. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it comes through actually. Um, there's, I've seen a lot of films about farming that have an overt, political <laughs> agenda, you know, or trying to make a point or trying to, right. trying to convince an audience of something. Um, but what I love about your, your approach is that it feels very personal and it feels like just not just if it, it, it you get a sense, you really get a sense for the human scale of it you know and also yeah. the kind of geological scale and the in the long the deep time i mean there's at one point tara says um i love this the way she equi- kind of calculates it but she says you know if you farm for 30 years that means you've only grown potatoes 30 times and yeah you know 30 years is people think like oh my god you've been th- farming for 30 years you must be an expert but like if you play piano for 30 years, you get to practice the same piece, you know, hundreds of times, you know, and the complexity of that and the, the, the mystery of that, you know, yeah. I feel like really you managed to kind of get, get into those, those tones. Well, well. it's, it, it's, um, I mean, I, I, I just real I'm realizing more and more that, uh, my own approach to filmmaking is um, I'm starting to, I guess, maybe understand more of what what I'm interested in as I go along. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 you're a filmmaker for 30 years, you might be, if, especially mm-hmm. if you're making feature <laughs> films, yeah. you're lucky to make more. eight or ten films. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be great. So yeah. um, they they do take a long time, but I guess I always, for me, my goal is if I can. Uh, help people walk in somebody else's shoes, essentially. When I'm filming, I tend to be moved by whatever experience somebody, the person I'm filming is going through. And in my head, I'm wondering, how do I bring Mm -hmm. someone into this experience so that they can share a little bit um, and understand a little bit about what somebody else might be going through. And so I... I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard to know how to bring somebody into somebody else's experience because, mm-hmm. you know, we're also, in a way, we're also mm-hmm. isolated in our own mm-hmm. worlds. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's really, you know, on the personal side of things, I don't really feel like, I don't have any political justification or anything. I, I just feel like I want people to have that experience mm-hmm. of shared, a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're serious about being part of a movement, you know, or, or 
or being a catalyst for some kind of movement, you've got to you've got to connect people to the 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 heart of what it is they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it can't be all just uh, slogans and uh, statistics, and you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's got to be you know, who are the people? What's the what are the connections between people that make this possible? You know, and, um, yeah. I don't know. You, maybe you can tell me. Uh, in making the film, I didn't really present a lot of facts, I guess, mm-hmm. or information. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all. I mean, there's a lot of it is there, but mm-hmm. I um, I tried to make it for a general audience mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. so that you, you don't necessarily have to be interested in farming to find right. the film interesting. But I think there's a little bit of a, a sacrifice in that, in that you, like I've had some feedback from people who saying, well, I didn't really learn about how to farm when I watched the film. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> so. well, they went to the wrong film then. <laughs> um, they can go to YouTube and go to the hundreds and hundreds of YouTube channels that can teach them how to farm, you know. Right. The other thing that I, what was interesting to me when, when the film came out, when To Make a Farm came out, was... Um, how much people do bring their own personal experience to it. So there would be uh, sort of the more, um, I don't know if you'd call it jaded or, Mm -hmm. you know, experienced farmers Mm -hmm. who would say, oh, these are just kids, they're idealistic and uh, they're, they're, you know, they're living in a dream world and it's not also, you know, and this makes, this makes farming look fun and easy and whatever mm-hmm. else. And, mm-hmm. um, and then there were, uh, people who, who felt like, uh, well, maybe it's too, like makes it look almost too difficult or mm-hmm. difficult, you know, mm-hmm. almost, mm-hmm. um, too gritty, <laughs> too gritty. Yeah. Like I think, and I, I mean, I, I can kind of see both sides and maybe sure. it's good maybe it's good that both both of those sides um come out because it maybe that means the film is somewhere in between but mm-hmm. in 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 the editing process i had to uh, there was a point where uh actually i showed an early cut to a friend of mine uh, a professor who said you know this this is great but you know these people they're they're um they're positive they're um mm-hmm. i can't remember the exact words but they're you know they're optimistic, and your some of your tone is is making it like taking away from that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did make changes based on that, and uh, and I think some of that was related again to my own experience with farming. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of the baggage, no, anyway, the baggage that you carry yeah, into it, exactly. Wow. Yeah. And and I think Leslie and 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 Jeff, um, you know, I showed the film to all of them before I totally locked it. I feel like. I'm going to put somebody else's life up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can, you know, they can tell me if I'm getting something wrong, yeah. and I have to protect my own sort of creative, you know, integrity. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, it's their life, so tell me, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and Leslie, I think, did feel like the film could be a bit more positive, and was, you know, felt like they like they just feel so. Um, about like their, fortunate, about their own like they're yeah. They just feel they just feel so fortunate to okay. be out there. They just love it so it. much. Yeah, yeah. And it's you get something that. that you get that yeah. in the film. I mean, that's that comes through, but you, you get I, everything else too. <laughs> right. But I think because they 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 really felt like 
you know, one of their motivations for being in the film was that they wanted to help promote mm -hmm. the movement. And mm -hmm. so sometimes showing the struggle maybe doesn't feel like the way to do that. Um, I know what you mean, but there's, you know, and now I'm thinking of examples. Like I can back, back up my, my argument that you, you did a good job because Leslie, um, there's a scene where she's, you know, in kind of her, one of her lower moments, she's like really feeling nostalgic for the city life. You know, she's okay. like, ah, you know, it'd be nice to just, but I would like to be able to like play my guitar once in a while without like getting through one song and being like, <laughs> like, so that would be nice, but like, there's just so many things to do in life that are interesting that and I guess that's what everyone does like you pick a career you're not able to do all the other careers but you may live in the city or something so you can do involve yourself with other things that are extracurricular or whatever and we don't really do that too much because yeah I don't know lots of reasons but also, I think we're used to city-type activities, so that's what we want to do. Like, I want to do cultural things that are more city-based, and so it's hard to do those things, so, but, I don't know. I think we'll find a better balance. But then, in kind of the next scene, she's like, just like, totally stoked about these um, onions that they harvested that are just like amazing. Like the produce is just beautiful, you know, and, and it's totally. just like riding high on just the simplicity of the way that the, the produce looks, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think you've got both sides, but I understand, you know, of course I'm not the subject of the film, so <laughs> <laughs> I can say that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's something that, I take very seriously and, and I'm, I'm constantly learning as a filmmaker mm -hmm. is, is to, uh, how to be, you know, how to be respectful of mm -hmm. the participants and, and how they, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, I recently heard a filmmaker say that when they go into making a film, they tell people, well, you're going to really like 70% of this and you're going to not like the other 30%. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's honest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, but you became friends with these people. I mean, if you lived with them, mm -hmm. then you know you want to do right by your friends, right? Um, yeah. And I have to ask too. You you mentioned the tone. Um, your professor, you know, kind of commenting on the tone. And one thing that really sets the tone for me is the score is just beautiful. There's a moment in the beginning with this piano score that's just. beautiful music was that mm -hmm. did you contract somebody to do the score for the film or did you find the music how did that work uh yeah the, the music is done by jeff bird who is um um a canadian uh musician and composer he um he about half of the music is actually improvisations that he had from um uh, a, a group he was uh, you know, doing these sort of uh, improvised uh, performances with. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so there's like some of that accordion and stuff in there. And so all of that was just. Oh, yeah. The uh, accordion is like this yeah. droning thing. It's yeah. Kinda, it's kind of foreboding. You yeah. Know, there's a little bit of there's tension to it where it's like, oh, something's not right. But it's but it's not like minor keys. I don't know if there's something yeah. really warming about the sound. Farmers have always grown up farming with their parents and then added new ideas. And then their kids added new ideas and their kids did and their kids did. But it was always based on that huge life of experience. I think that we're at a disadvantage for not having that situation. Like market gardening is not in our blood last night. I feel like we're still on a huge learning curve. We could apprentice for 10 years before we started a, a farm. We'd probably be that much more successful than we will be this year. Yeah, I was actually lucky in that my editor uh, was uh, amazing. And so he sent us this music and I kind of listened to it and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. I don't know what mm-hmm. this is. Mm-hmm. You know, she emailed me back and said, oh, this stuff is amazing. I just love it. You know, and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So she kind of worked with it. And, and once I saw it in the film, I was like, oh, yeah, this is fantastic. Mm. So It just makes it stretch out and it makes it feel yeah. fast, you know. Yeah, there's a there's a sort of breath to it. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, um, so, yeah, about half, half or maybe even more than half is is those sessions of improvised music and then uh some of it he composed specifically for different parts of the film that's so cool we can talk about this all night but um at some point i have to edit (laughs) 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 and uh i've done enough of these that i i know when i'm starting to get a little bit uh in over my head so um i really steve i appreciate the time and and you're uh you know just kind of opening up about about your films, um, I really appreciate it. It's it's a real joy to me to be able to watch a piece of art like that and to be able to talk with the creator. So I really appreciate it. Well, I I really appreciate uh, the offer. Um, it's been fun. Hi, Joe. Um, this is Leslie calling you from Cedar Down Farm, and I will quickly answer your question. Number one, how is our farm doing since the film came out? Um, it's an easy one. The farm is doing well. Um, we are basically doing the exact same thing, but more of it. Uh, the farm has expanded just to have the bigger CSA, which is doing great. Um, we have two kids now, so that's definitely um, created more challenge, but also um, more enjoyment too. The second question, how has farming changed me, is probably more challenging. Probably the biggest thing the farm has done is just created a much more grounded person. I think it created a lot of mindfulness and keeps me present and and so many other things that we don't have time to say. And then the third one, is there such a thing as a food movement? From my perspective, absolutely. It's quite apparent that there's um, many, many people who are aware of how much change is needed to you know, change our industrial food system and the ways that it's impacted by corporate control and, and well, mostly corporate control. Hi, it's Tara from Green Bean Farm, and I'm answering the questions that uh, you asked me about how our farm is doing. Uh, the farm's doing well overall. We've expanded significantly. 
We also brought in a herd of cooney-coonies into Canada, which is a rare breed of pig that can finish on next to nothing but good pasture. Uh, yeah, we've also, um, Nathan and I also had a, have a three-year-old now. His name is Finn, and so that has brought a whole new element to the farm. Uh, how has farming changed me? Um, I think I was prone to worrying a lot over things, and farming has changed that to an extent, Yeah, in that there are just so many things to worry about that uh, stuff that really worried me 10 years ago doesn't even ruffle my feathers anymore. Is there such a, such a thing as a food movement in my perspective? Uh, I feel like I am so deeply entrenched in the day-to-day challenges of growing and selling my food and managing a farm crew, managing the finances, that I don't even have the ability to raise my head above it all and look around and ask the bigger questions. So for me, the movement that I would define as the one that really fires me up is the movement toward a deeper connection with the farmer and people eating our food. We're small enough and we work really hard to keep our customers aware of what's happening on our farm and in our lives that I think we're building an authentic little movement that creates solidarity between farmers and eaters. And while this may be a little minuscule little tremor of a movement, it doesn't even register for most. For me, it's very profound. That's all. Thanks. Bye. All right. Every minuscule tremor of a movement certainly counts in my book, and I am so glad that these farmers are doing well. And Wes, if you can hear this, um, please take care, sir, and I hope you are good. Um, Thanks so much for listening to Farm on the Podcast. Looking forward to seeing you in the new year for more conversations. Until next time, follow the sun and farm on.